there. It's Elizabeth McQueen, the host of this song. And I want to let you know that soon we'll be doing things a little differently around here. We're going to move to a season format for this podcast, and we only have a couple more episodes left until we do. Next week, we'll hear from Thor Harris and Miss Simplicity, and then we'll have one final big episode with Eric and Brian from Blitz and Trapper, and then we're taking a break from making new episodes. We're going to use our time to collect a bunch of great interviews and make new shows, and then starting right before Thanksgiving, we'll start releasing them. So that is what is going to happen, like, in the future. But right now, we're going to get started with the show. Hello and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives. And then we use those songs as starting points for conversations about the good things, creativity and inspiration and artistic process. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and in this episode of This Song, we'll be hearing from two artists, Mike Olson, who is the guitar player for Lake Street Dive, and Jane Ellen Bryant, who is an artist here in Austin, Texas. And both Mike and Jane came to the interviews ready to talk about songs that had these really like deep connections to their personal lives, and also taught them about the importance of being authentic in their songwriting. So let's get started with Mike Olson. He is the guitar player for the blue-eyed soul band Lake Street Dive. And they released a new record this year called Side Pony, and they came to Austin to promote that record, and they played a sold-out show at Stubbs. And while they were here, they came into KUTX, the radio station where we make this podcast, and did a set in Studio 1A, which is our live performance space. And afterwards, Mike sat down and told me about a song that helped him kind of deal with the tension between work and home that so many road musicians have and opened him up to being more authentic in his own songwriting. So here he is, Mike Olson. I think that there are, you know, there were a lot of songs over the years that I've kind of gone, whoa, music is... uh is interesting, mm-hmm. you know, and there are a lot of songs where it's like music is is hard and music is cool, and but generally speaking, I didn't always necessarily love songs about songs or music, you know, that that the, they're like songs that musicians write about being a musician. That was never as as interesting to me as songs that that are about something, some some part of the human experience that is unique or or more easily explored in song. But here's the sappy part. I, uh, uh, a few years back, heard Willie Nelson's cover of Leon Russell's Song For You. Because now we're alone and I am singing my song for you. That song is about how hard it is to be a musician, kind of. And for the longest time, I was like, oh, being a musician is, you know, it's like, it's, it's easy. I just show up to the gig. And like, I've had all kinds of other jobs that are like much harder. But Song For You is is just like one of the most achingly beautiful songs. And it kind of like explores how the opening song is, I've been a lot of places in my life and time. Well, I've been a lot of places in my life and time. Sung a lot of songs and made some bad rhymes. I've sung a lot of songs and I made some bad rhymes. 
acted out my love in stages. 10,000 people watching. With 10,000 people watching. And then it goes on to, uh, but now I'm here. Now we're alone and I am singing my song for you. The you being some sort of nebulous other love interest, I'm, I'm assuming. It became really significant for me because uh, I learned the song and uh, sang it to my girlfriend and w- when I proposed to her. And so that, I would say, is the life-changing part. <laughs> yeah. Because this like song that I initially rejected as just another song about songs, I like was able to think about it more critically and, and think about like, well, this is actually like, if songwriters aren't thinking about songs and songwriters aren't moved by songs about songs, then who is? And it became a really beautiful thing that then Rachel, the singer in uh, Lake Street Dive, sang at our wedding, which was also beautiful. Talk uh, about life-changing. Yeah, totally. I mean, was this a song that you kind of really only fully understood after you'd been in Lake Street Dive for a while and touring? Well, I didn't hear it until, I mean, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it, not until we had been touring for a very long time. It's not oh, like so you'd I, never heard the song previous at all? No, I've heard it for the first time, or at least was conscious of hearing it for the first time, maybe only four or five years ago, and we've been touring for 12 years, or, or playing it as a band for 12 years. It kind of came to me at the right time, I would say. I heard it at a time where I was receptive to that kind of song and that kind of message. Do you remember when the actual first time you heard that song was? I believe it came on just on a Spotify station or something, and I, and I was listening to it with my now wife when we had, we had just kind of recently met. And, I, you know, that was a time in my life where a lot of things was opening up for me, including my reception to this kind of musical experience. So it was kind of a confluence of like things happening personally and musically in my life that kind of, you know, melded to make this. That all came together and started a journey for me with this song that had several stages and, and, and has become a very significant song for me. But now I'm so much better And if my words don't come together so the first time you heard it and you just met your now wife, did you hear it in the way that you hear it now? Or was it like, oh, I've never heard this song about being a musician before. This is interesting. I kind of relate. And then was it something like the deeper into the relationship you got with your wife, the more you yeah, felt the song? Certainly, as the, the context has deepened and the way that it has shown up a few more times. But I think that the first time I heard it was, there was a knee-jerk reaction to it, which is, oh, this is just a song about music and just a song about a song or just a song about being a songwriter the knee-jerk reaction was kind of like dismiss but for whatever reason because that was a very like sort of turbulent time and and a very like significant time the the beginning of a very significant time the beauty of the song and especially the willie nelson cover which is just him and his guitar drew me in in a very different way and and elicited a very different response and it was kind of one of those sit up upright in bed light bulb going off moments and it's just gotten I mean, it's a song I I think about almost daily. And I love you in a place where there's no space or time. It sounds like your relationship with being a musician and being a touring musician was kind of undergoing some kind of change around that time? Very much so. That's when we really were picking up a lot of steam. That, that, That was right before the recording of Bad Self Portraits which was a very significant record for us. You know, that was right around the time when we noticed that we were getting more and more online traction with the I Want You Back video. We 
had to delay the release of Bad Self-Portrait, so we went on like a, a year of touring that was just like an extremely intense year of, we don't have a product to sell you, but here we are, and we have to like make this show really impressive, and it, it was the first time that we were all really like devoted to the band full time for the first time, and so it was, uh, you know, that, all of a sudden, we were on the road all year long, and all of a sudden, I was in a a space where I was in a relationship that I wanted to be home for. So it was a funny time for that to happen. Not funny, ha-ha, funny, oopsie-whoopsie, sort of. Funny, if it's going to happen, that's the time it's going to happen. Exactly. Because that's how life works exactly. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah so it was, a, um, it was a, like I said, the song came along at the right time, I think. But now I'm so much better And if my words don't come together do you think that the song helped you come to terms with how you were going to deal with that? Like, I'm getting all the success that I've... Obviously, you guys had probably wanted it and worked towards having that kind of... Yeah, totally. That kind of success. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do I balance what I want to do with my career with the life that I want to build with this person who cannot come with me right. all around the world? Sure. You know, well, th- there's a confessional nature of that song, certainly, there's kind of a raw nerve in it, especially this specific version of it. And I think this band has made its career writing love songs, but also love lost songs, but oftentimes in, in a, a somewhat tongue-in-cheek way. I mean, n- not tongue-in-cheek, maybe that's not right, but um, we tend not to go for the, the hyper-confessional kind of song. And I think that especially early on, the way that I personally would approach that kind of song is to write it from from almost a hypothetical standpoint. Like, what would it be like to, you know, be in love in this way or to be heartbroken in this way? And to experience a song like Song For You in in such a, a, like a personal way, it's a kind of of in-touchedness with that uh, depth of emotion that is definitely like something that as a songwriter, I, I, you know, I strive for, but I have never achieved. So it's kind of like, now it, it's the bar. It's like the ultimate bar. You have a new goal. Yeah, exactly. Remember when we were together. We were alone and I was singing my song for you. So it has kind of those spilled over into your own songwriting than it sounds like this trying to be more open and more vulnerable yes i hope so i i don't you know that part is really hard you know like being uh, intentionally vulnerable is not simple especially when you know you're going to stand up on a stage in front of a bunch of people and potentially play a song for them that is Totally. That shows the real person that you are. It's exactly. That's, that's why on terrifying. stage I tend not to talk. I, you know, I look at my feet. I'm just crying the whole time. Well, that's, uh, that's no, I'm, I'm hiding is that. good. Hiding. <laughs> <laughs> but have you found yourself trying to go there? Like it's hard. But do you, when you're alone writing songs? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Trying for sure. We are embarking on the writing process of whatever our next record is going to be, and we are are collaborating a lot more in this process, a la what we were discussing in the earlier interview about how on the record with Dave Cobb, he forced us to do a little bit of collaboration that we hadn't really, in a way that we had never done so before. And so it'll be interesting. There's something relieving about doing things in a collaborative setting because, you know, I I think it's tough for me to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write a super emotional, confessional song start to finish. You know, I'm going to like have these like really like 
open-hearted lyrics and like the chords are just going to be perfect for that and like the feel like it's going to be a really emotional feel like like it, it's that that to 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 commit to it that way is really hard in a conscious way you know when we're saying let's produce music for a record but um i find it a lot easier when i'm given a a song idea from someone else to say okay well you know here's the idea that i have now i can like focus on you know, a more genuine effort on the lyrics or a more genuine effort to, to make something unique uh, harmonically. Because, you know, there's emotion in, in harmonies and, and, and feel and, and, and all kinds of stuff. The, the emotion is not just in the, the lyrics. And so, you know, like I said, being vulnerable is really hard, and I don't think I've ever achieved that on any of our subsequent records for with my, you know, my personal songwriting efforts. But I think it will be actually easier when I have the sort of, like, I mean, you know, get by with a little help from your friends, you know, it's like if, if I have something that, that I can contribute my emotional self to something that the other people in my band that I trust and, and I love musically have also put their emotions into it, I think that, that that makes for a greater sum of the, you know, the whole part. So wrong, you know it always from Lake Street Dive's record, Side Pony. Honestly, I was really grateful when Mike started talking about the conflict between wanting to succeed in your career and also wanting to have like a home life. It's something that so many musicians I know deal with. I mean, I deal with it. I was a touring musician for a long time. I toured with my husband. We were both in the same band called Asleep at the Wheel and then we had kids and we brought them on the road with us and then the kids like got too big and I got too exhausted and I got off the road and suddenly I was living not the life of a band member but like the life of a band wife the person who's left to tend the home fires while her partner like leaves for weeks or months at a time and I'm not gonna lie like it's hard and it's something that like if you're a musician who tours or if you love someone who is a musician that tours, you kind of just have to like struggle through. I mean, thank goodness there are songs like Song For You that help us make sense of that reality. If you dug Mike's story about music and family and looking for authenticity, then please take a minute, head to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to this song. That way you'll get the next episode delivered right to you and you can peruse our archive where you can hear people like Kevin Parker from Tame Impala talk about how a Led Zeppelin song helped him realize that rock music could also make you want to dance, which is pretty cool when you think about the fact that he helped produce the upcoming Lady Gaga single, Perfect Illusion. Yes, like thanks to this podcast, you can draw a direct line of influence from Led Zeppelin to Kevin Parker to the new Lady Gaga song. And while you're there subscribing to the podcast and looking at the archives, we would love it. Like, love it if you left a rating or a review. Okay, now... On to Jane Ellen Bryant. She's an Austin-based singer and songwriter who just released a single called 20s, which is like this unsparing yet 
funny yet heartbreaking look at what it's like to be in your 20s. I mean, if you're actually older than your 20s, then like, you know, it was tough. She came into KUTX to tell me about a song that helped her up the honesty quotient in her writing. So here she is, Jane Ellen Brandt. down um there's a song by sean colvin really this entire album was kind of life-changing for me but the few small repairs album the song i want it back 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 i listened to that album so much growing up, but then sort of rediscovered it as an adult and it just sort of took on a whole new meaning for me. Do you remember the first time you heard it? Like, I sort of, I remember like seeing the CD in my parents' like stereo system, like in elementary school and knowing that like the feeling I got listening to this album was like very powerful. So I remember like looking at it and remembering like the room and everything that I was in. But, um, it didn't it didn't really like I didn't process what anything was actually about. It was more of just like the production and the feeling and everything that came with it. But can you describe what that feeling was at the time? Like it's so hard to describe. Um not really. It was just sort of she just has this this album in particular. Like it, I love how like the sad songs still have this driving beat and they have um this just like energy and and songs that you don't really like if she if I heard her do it by herself you wouldn't necessarily have but I love how they how they changed it in the studio to just have this drive Um, but it's sort of just mystical and so many emotions and anger and all these things that um that I love but I didn't understand I was just sort of like mystified by it at the time but and how old were you again at the time uh, like eight or nine or something I lost the thread I lost the map it's not a feeling, it's a fact I had it once, I was on track Why won't it stay, I want it back I've always loved that album, but like in the last year I really started listening to it again and this one song in particular just like stabbed me in the chest and um, <laughs> was was just... Um, I don't know, so relatable and just so infuriating in all the right ways. And I just, I love how she lyrically just kind of says it like it is. And she, like, there's this one line, um, says, you've got just, you've got one mission just like a salmon. And it's like the weirdest thing. But, and I always thought it was weird, but I love how it just, it kind of takes like her weird little quirkiness and it just makes the song so uniquely her. And I don't even know how you would cover it because it just like, it's just, I don't know how you would say that, you know? But she says it, and she says it with confidence, and it like, inspires me to just kind of say exactly what I'm thinking in my own song, so. You're so extreme, you're feast of famine. You got one mission, just like a salmon. You said in life, mistakes are many. How come you never admit to any? I've never actually, I mean, maybe I've heard this song, but I don't know it well enough. To, or maybe yeah. I haven't heard it because I yeah. can't really place it. When, yeah. Is she talking about, like, a guy who's, like, a 
like kind of sleeps around? I, it's hard to know. I think you kind of like whatever you're going through is how it like <laughs> the interpretation <laughs> that I make. But it seems like she's put this guy on a pedestal. And that uh, to me, like relationships are so sometimes the bad ones at the beginning are so about the battle of like who's on top, who's got the edge in the relationship. And maybe like she felt like she had it at the beginning, but she no longer does. And she's angry about it, that he now has the power. He's on the pedestal. Everyone thinks he's awesome, but she knows the real him because she kind of talks about like Sky sounds like he might be, have some fame of some sort or something that makes everyone think that he's so cool and perfect. But she... She knows him, and she's lost her edge in the situation, and she's just saying over and over again, I want it back, I want it back. 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 Well, I wonder what... um, what brought it back into your life? Like, was it just, you just thought, oh, I haven't heard this Sean Colvin record in a yeah. while, or or did it just kind of happen? Like, what what was it? I think I, it was around the time that I knew I was going back in the studio and I was listening to things that I was really inspired by production-wise growing up, and like, like, like Sheryl Crow and Sean Colvin and Nina Gordon and some of these kind of like 90s rock folk chicks that like... I just, when I hear them, I'm like, I want to sound like that. I want the drums to be like this. I want the guitar to be like this. I want to feel like this. So that initially is what got me listening to it again, but... It just hit me at a time of life where it was like suddenly the lyrics made sense for the first time ever. And um, it just gave me a, such a greater appreciation for what I had already been drawn to. But um, So you were attracted to the production yes, initially, initially yeah. just like the general feeling. Yes, and so yeah. when you're listening and trying to get ideas for making this new record, trying to get production ideas, mm-hmm. then, then, yeah, it, then was... it all kind of fell into place. But um, she, I think I mentioned this, but... There's this drum loop that um, continuously goes throughout this track, and it does on like a lot of the slower sort of tracks in this in this album, but not all of them. But this one in particular, like, is so dynamic, and I love that. But on the slow, kind of not slow, but quieter parts of the song, this drum loop is still going in the background, so you never really lose the overall like beat and feeling of it. Um, it just sort of keeps it going, and uh, we, I was sure to make that happen in a few things, and the studio for myself because I just loved how like you never really lost that thing you don't even really notice it it's just this background noise but um it, I don't know I love how it affect, like changes the whole feeling of the song so of paradise I floated steady it felt so nice to sell your soul just think of that I'm halfway there I want it back to me like I listened to the lyrics, so it's often the last thing I listen to it. Listen to in a song. They, they, I do so much appreciate them later on. But what initially like makes me listen and keep the song on versus changing the station or whatever is the feeling and the vibe and like the whole just musicality of it. So um, if it's done wrong, I would change. I would change the channel, even though I might really, really love what it's saying. So. I wanted to. I want to make sure that my music from here on out, like when people initially hear the sounds, that they want to know more. So, 
That's really interesting. I don't I don't know that a lot of songwriters hear lyrics last. I know. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I probably shouldn't admit that, but um, that's not how I write songs. Like the, the often like the mel- the melody and like a real key lyric comes to me at first, and and then that that sets the vibe. Like I, I definitely think the vibe of the song has to capture what the lyrics are saying. It's just that as a listener, I catch the vibe before I realize that the lyrics also perfectly go with the vibe you know right um so a good song for you is when it all comes together it all kind of works together to make yeah that's what really makes me be like this is this is an incredible work of art you know right on i'm i'm going back to the sean colvin song and this may be too personal a question so you don't have to answer but like (laughs) was it you the lyrics the sounds were what initially attracted you to it Mm -hmm. but then the lyrics became really important to you kind of once you tuned into them. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it something that was going on in your in your own life that you could relate to at the time? Totally. Or, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, totally a situation like in a relationship where I felt like I had the edge and I was in total control of my emotions and my place in it. And then you suddenly realize, oh my gosh, you're not, I'm not at all and this is terrifying and I hate being in this position and how did I end up here? And I want to go back three weeks ago where I felt cool and confident in this. And um, I remember like driving out, I needed to get away from town and I was driving out to um, the country and was like playing this album on repeat. And I kept pushing back on this song in particular and just like feeling like it totally encompassed every emotion I had in that moment. You know, it was just like the perfect amount of like sad and angry and, and everything. So um, I wanted, I want to make songs for people like that, that just, feel like the vibe catches there like hits them in a way that it's like this is what I'm feeling and I don't even know how to, I don't even have words to express it but it just this this encompasses what my anger or whatever it is and then once they really pay attention to the lyrics maybe not everything matches up with their situation but something in there like really makes them feel like she gets me in this moment you know well and it sounds like that the Sean Colvin song is a bit obtuse yes like obtuse enough mm-hmm. where you can kind of say like that like right i may not be analyzing it at all like in the way that she wrote it but to me that's what it says you know yeah so um yeah i mean you've got three songs on your ep but Mm -hmm. i'm assuming that you're you've been writing oh yeah yeah. since then and stuff and do you think that do you think that that particular song has opened you up lyrically um you were kind of talking about yeah um possibly I think I was already kind of going in the direction of um feeling brave enough to say exactly what I was thinking especially like as a woman I feel like at least growing up I kind of was too scared to say certain things that like a woman would be like criticized for saying but I'm hearing so many females now like just telling it like it is and I love it and it just and Sean Colvin's one of those people that she's just um telling it like it is you know and so I was already going that direction but it definitely gave me the power to continue that when you're a songwriter you're just exposing your soul and I'm thinking like oh no like everyone I know my high school principal is going to know about this. Like he's going to know about my emotions here and that I have to stop thinking about what people in my life or past life or current life, whatever will think because then it just becomes this edited, like not real 
thing that I, that I don't want to represent. I want to be as bold as Sean Colvin and Cheryl Crow and all these people that I've admired my whole life have been and just tell it like it is, you know? But yeah, like being a songwriter, it's no good if you kind of don't open up right. your chest and yeah. show people your heart. Right. Like it, it's not... Right. There's nothing there then, right. you know, because... Um, yeah, maybe your high school principal would like <laughs> when he hears your or she hears your song would be like, "Oh, someone else feels that yeah, way." Maybe, oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, the things like I was really honestly like I was scared about twenties. I was scared just because I came from a really like mo- kind of modest background, and I thought, "Oh my gosh, here I am like being myself, but I'm like chugging champagne in this video, and I'm you know just telling it like it is. I'm I'm cursing. I'm you know just." describing the life that I know and that all my fellow 20-somethings know. And that's the only reason it, like, works for anyone. But I was scared of, like, what the reaction would be. Um, but it's it's been the opposite. Like, people that I thought would judge me for or whatever, which is so dumb, but have not at all. They're just like, this is awesome. I totally relate to this, whatever. So it's it was a good lesson for me to, like, continue to trust my gut and my instinct on what people would like because they like real things. They don't like edited I'm trying to be this way, things. Woke up with an ache, knowing you're gonna be late. You got that feeling of dread. You're in the wrong bed. Too many shots, and you somehow forgot it was just a Tuesday night. And this is 20s by Jane Ellen Bryant. And yes, Jane, it is totally scary and terrifying to be honest about how you're feeling. But it really does help that there are songwriters who've come before us who've bared their souls to great effect, like Sean Colvin did, and have shown us that, yes, it is, in fact, worth it. Speaking of worth it, seeing the video Jane made for 20s is totally worth the watch. I'll post a link to that video Plus, I'll post the Studio NA sessions from both Lake Street Dive and Jane Ellen Bryant on the This Song page for this episode. And I'll also put a Spotify playlist there where you can hear all the songs from this episode all the way through. And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of This Song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced and edited by David Sanger and me, Elizabeth McQueen. Cliff Hargrove recorded the interview with Mike Olson, and I recorded the interview with Jane Ellen Bryant. Taylor Wallace runs our Instagram account. Kelly Seal is our new intern and is killing it. Thanks to Peter Babb and Deidre Gott for all they do on this podcast. And yes, it's true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Our handle is at the song KTX. You can like us on Facebook, and you can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts, Austin Music Minute, Liner Notes, and Song of the Day on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>